Hi, I'm Emily Salaby, founder of Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company, and your host on the Hazard Girls podcast here on Jacket Media. I'm so honored to host this show where I get to chat with Hazard Girls about their careers. Hazard Girls is an online community for women working in traditionally male-dominated fields. On our show, you'll get to hear from these amazing women about the path that led them to their current careers, challenges they've overcome, advice for other women in entering these industries, and more. Dr. Susan Cronier is a biokineticist, internationally certified exercise professional, mindset coach, and elite athlete for nearly 40 years. She has five university degrees, including a doctorate of philosophy in human movement science. Some of the highlights of her sporting career include being an award-winning figure skater at the international level, world championships in Latin American ballroom dancing, being a championship cycler and a triathlete among other sports, dare I say. She is currently working as a mindset coach and has her own private practice as a biokineticist. And when I Googled you, I saw that you are a sports, sport, an exercise sports, what about, help me out here. Help me out here, Stacey. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so and the rest of the world calls it a physiologist, exercise okay. physiologist. Exercise yeah. physiologist. Okay, yeah. All right, cool. Well, so a lot going on here, and we have so much to discuss and so much for you to share with us. And I just, I want to welcome you to the Hazard Girls podcast, and thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. It's a super privilege to be on your show. <laughs> I would love to start by hearing about your upbringing and your childhood, because it's, I'm just so curious to know what kind of a background and where someone comes from in order to uh, grow up and do so many different areas of sport. <laughs> it's actually really, really simple. You know, like I come from a very humble sort of background. My parents um, never went to university. I don't actually think they finished high school. And um, like we were just an average, a middle-class type family, you know, and um, my parents didn't have money to send me to university. So we went off to the bank and we got a big old student loan. Uh-huh. <laughs> and needless to say, I failed my first year. <laughs> so, uh-huh. uh, so yes, there's absolutely nothing special in my history. And I guess that is, <laughs> that is a, a real... Um, I hope it motivates people a lot because yeah. I think my biggest um, thing that I can say is my mom, she taught me a few, a few principles when I was like really young doing figure skating. And I was thinking about that today. And that has like been the foundation for pretty much all of my success. So like from a humble mom who's never really done any sport or academics or anything like that, she had a, a really amazing message and uh, and uh, one very key tool to educate me in a special way with regards to mindset. <clears throat> well, what is it? Are you going to share that? <laughs> what did she say? To you? Yeah, she she taught she she showed me that you you d- don't compare yourself to other people and just do your best mm-hmm. and. Like when you arrive at the competition and all the other girls are going, I'm nervous, I'm nervous. Just don't answer the question and don't subscribe to that, really. Mm-hmm. So that that was really something I've carried out 
for my entire sporting career because people are on their own page and they might be experiencing something, but it, it might not be like that for you. And if yeah. you subscribe to the, the nervousness and the fear and all of these things, you will become that and you will experience that and it will become your experience. So really, I think at that young age, she was showing me that you actually always have a choice. Mm. And it doesn't matter that you don't live in a in a really high class suburb and that you like one of my dreams, I wanted to go to America, I wanted to go to Colorado Springs to go to this um, like figure skating uh, school there. And like there were people in my country that were able to go there, but I was not able to go there, but it didn't like it didn't um it, it didn't destroy my life you no. know so so those are that's sort of a, a mental resilience really yeah uh, is like a golden key it's a golden nugget it's worth so much more than money you know because you can't buy that that is so true and how can we impart that on our own kids yeah, you know, this is incredible. I ask myself all the time because, you know, there's so much emphasis going on at school here yeah, in South Africa anyway, you know, to we like the school system is probably like 40 years behind where it should be because they're still teaching kids how to write uh, cursive. I don't know if that's what you call it in America, but like, mm -hmm. you know, that's sort of a writing and they're still doing biology and everyone does the same thing. And and like I learned about the secrets, the 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 and the attaching books that go with that about seven years ago. And when I started reading this, this was like life-changing for me. And I, I think to myself, if I if you could share these principles with children from a young age, that you you actually attracting everything that you are experiencing, good and bad, it can change their lives forever. So you Susie, know? I don't I don't know what you're referring to. Are you talking about the, the laws of attraction? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Can you explain what that is? So everything is it's like a boomerang. Every single thought you have that you put out there returns to you the exact same sort of a thing. So if you if you keep telling yourself, if you keep saying, I am clumsy you will be continuously bumping things over, walking into things, doing clumsy things. And I'm, I'm sure anyone listening, and I wonder if you've experienced this for yourself as well, um, you know, have you ever experienced this where you keep on saying that thing, I am no good at cooking, and you just make one bad meal after another. <laughs> and that just becomes your life. So if you tell yourself, um, I, I can never succeed because I don't have the following X, Y, and Z. It's going to be like that. And I experience this um, in my life every single day. And what you ask for is what you get. Um, and it, it is like that. I've got so much overwhelming evidence that, that I cannot believe anything else. And in sport, it's the same thing. It, the same principles apply everywhere. And the law of attraction is like the law of gravity. It's at play all the time, uh, whether you want to admit it or recognize it or believe it or not, it's, it, gravity applies to everything. 
Um, it doesn't miss a pig flying. You don't see a pig flying today because gravity sort of forgot about that pig. It's to everyone all the time. Yeah. And I have seen a lot of people like really pushing against this. And and like, um, you don't have to believe it, but it's happening. <laughs> and maybe the sooner, the sooner you tap into that and use it to your advantage, like the better because you can achieve amazing things. And, you know, one of the core principles in the law of attraction is gratitude. Mm -hmm. And you, you can't get more of what you want unless you really are grateful for what you have. Mm. Can you give us a little background? I, I it's, Well, first of all, before we get into, I don't want to get on a tangent about it. If it's not part of your curriculum so is this is the law of attraction part of what you are teaching in your coaching practice I think I don't specifically focus on that but I think it definitely comes through because it's my yeah. it's my life principles and I live by these things every single day so of course it is it is definitely going to come into that but like I'm tapping into the the sports psychology that I, that was that formed part of my um, university degrees. I did four years of sports psychology, and I also had clinical psychology as a major subject for three years. So, kind of that academic um, background plus the different sporting codes that I followed and all the lessons that I've learned, um, all and the law of attraction, it all forms into one unique mosaic. Um, which allows me to coach women in a way that they might not have experienced before because I'm still being coached. I have two coaches. I have my husband, which is my cycling coach, and I have my business coach. And I don't think that you can get to where you should be. Um, you can get far without a coach, but if you really want to reach your max, you need a coach. So uh, yeah, not and not not all coaches are equal. You need the right coach for you, and I prefer to live by the principle that you should really get advice from people that have achieved what you already. They've already achieved what you want to achieve. They've already shown evidence of success. So uh, I think that's why. And I, I mean, I haven't had many coaches in my life because I seem to have gotten the right coach and stayed the duration. Mm -hmm so <laughs> well let, let's talk a little bit about you you said you haven't had too many coaches in your life because you've gotten the right coach each time let's talk a little bit about the different sports you've done um so you you said you started out as a child right as doing figure skating was that your first major sport that's correct yes and, and tell us about that what how far did you go in the figure skating world um, I started at the age of seven and basically because my mom enjoyed the public skating at the ice rink mm -hmm. and she took me there and I, I seemed to be pretty good so then she said well do you want to do this and I was like yes of course you know I'm a child and she's <laughs> like okay get a coach and but I mean it's totally illogical in South Africa we had three ice rinks in the whole country so <laughs> that's where oh the journey God. started and and um and I mean, the, the rink that we trained on was super small. I mean, I we only got the first Olympic ice rink um, in, in our city, um, like I think two or three years before I ended my career. So I, I did that from the age of seven until 23. So it was like a, a good stint over there. And locally, like provincials, 
I won several times. I was on the podium at nationals. And then uh, I, mean, I was able to go overseas twice for, for one solo competition and one team competition. And yeah, like I say, you know, if you're in a country where there's no snow and not much ice, it's, <laughs> it's yeah. not really game, a fair game to be trying to compete with the rest of the world. Although we did have, a, we did have one of my peers went to the Winter Olympics. So but uh -oh. you, need, you, you needed resources to get to that level. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. And it's pretty much a full-time job for the whole family, as far as I understand. Exactly. What city uh, in South Africa did you grow up in? I, I grew up in Pretoria and I still live in Pretoria. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. So, so that was figure skating. Now you also have this extensive background in Latin American ballroom dancing. When I first saw that, I thought, well, maybe she's from Latin America. <laughs> but then I realized, no, you are from South Africa. So how did this happen? So I think it was like right at the end of my figure skating career. And I like saw this on TV and I was like, this is my next thing. I am doing this. It was like a professional competition, you know? And I just remember sitting in front of the TV, watching this couple and thinking, this is incredible. Like, I didn't even really know that this existed, but I'm going there. That's where I'm going. And I was at university at the time. So I, I signed up at the university's uh, social dancing club. And like, it didn't take me long to sort of really start driving the teacher quite nuts because I was practicing everything that we were shown. And I was like, more steps, more steps, please. And they were like, okay, you know what? This is a social club. Here's the name yeah. of the studio. <laughs> go, please go and get a, a real teacher because yeah, yeah, we're just like sort of, you know, having fun and just, yeah. you know, having fun. <laughs> And I was like, yes, exactly. Thank you so much because this is, I, I'm like on a different, I'm on a different mental level. I want to be on that, that, that platform, you know, in, mm -hmm. in that outfit doing that thing. So, um, you know, it was so, it was, the story is quite incredible because I, I really had never worn high heel shoes, you know, and they said, okay, get these specific ballroom shoes. And I remember the day sitting on the side and putting these shoes on and then getting up and realizing I can't walk. Oh, <laughs> and waving oh. over, waving to my partner, please come and come and help me, you know. You so had never walked in high heels. You had never walked in <laughs> high heels before. And you are suddenly, no. you are suddenly doing it for the first time <laughs> during ballroom dancing. Yes, so so he came over and he helped me get onto the floor in this um in this this session and like okay so once we started to when we were on the floor and I had to do the steps it was fine but initially I couldn't walk just walk normally in these shoes and I, I had no idea where this was going you know but I just loved it I loved the look of it everything appealed to me about it and. 10 years later, I was like walking onto the world championship dance floor in Russia, in Moscow. Wow. It was like an incredible dream. It was just a dream that was my reality. And I mean, yeah. it's, it's it's like, wow. And yeah. <laughs> um, the journey to get there was like um, also incredible. So it was a 10 year journey and um, going to different international competitions, I did way better in the dancing than I did in this in the figure skating. Because locally, 
I just, we just won everything, everything that we participated in, we seemed to win. And I did it with various partners because I would like get onto a level, get a great partner and we'd be good for like two years and then we'd win everything. And then I'd be like on my way to another level and the partner would just like, I don't know, I don't know what happened. Just get, they just, you know, the trainers are so good. They switch you between partners and say she just organized another partner for me and there I would go to the next level and so in the same year going to the Blackpool Dance Festival um, in England which is the biggest most well-known competition in the world and then going to the German Open and the Russian Open and the World Championships it was incredible it was like everything I didn't achieve in the figure skating I now suddenly achieved in the dancing what a dream what an absolute dream so what what would you say what would you say is did you learn the most from that whole experience um, I learned, um, like I learned from the solo figure skating being so independent you had to really learn how to be independent from a very young age you had to learn to um, practice on your own um, and to develop uh, routines like from getting ready um, packing the correct things in your in your bag and you're responsible for this at the age of eight you know and then getting to the ice rink and warming up before you get on the ice you know lacing your boots correctly getting on the ice doing specific things the same way every time um, and learning that sometimes you're really going to hurt yourself you're going to fall hard and you're going to hurt yourself but your vision of um, of landing that triple or double jump or whatever it is is so much bigger than the pain on your butt <laughs> mm. and 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 that that is what drives you that vision and and during the figure skating learning um visualization because limited limited time to practice meant you can only practice in your head because mm. you can only train three times a week for one to two hours so where else are you going to train? You're going to be resourceful and practice on the grass, actually practice jumping, doing your jumps on the grass and like visualizing every single day for like an hour. Like, I don't even know how long, just over and over practicing in your mind. Also, because when you when you on the ice, um, it is like, I wouldn't say dangerous, but you can hurt yourself. So you want to make as as few mistakes as possible so one way to do that is by rehearsing in your brain and practicing it until you see it right until you feel it right um, because my coach always used to say if you've fallen down once you've got to do it three times correctly to sort of cancel out that that fall mm -hmm. um, in order to build a uh, build positively and then Going from that, it really taught you a lot of independence and mental toughness and imagery, visualization, body awareness. And it also taught me like not to, it taught me at that young age that you to let your ego go. Because when we got our first Olympic ice rink, it was in a shopping center. And the whole one side of the shopping center was um, glass. So anyone in the shopping center could stand and just watch you falling on your butt. <laughs> and you had to let that go pretty quickly. And you had to stop caring about what you looked like 
and um, what other people might be thinking, it, it became irrelevant because you needed to get on with what you needed to practice regardless of what was going on. So to to let go of the embarrassment and the ego of, of that was like, it's a very important step because I think in business, sometimes people are very concerned about how they might look if they failed or what other people are thinking. And that is one of the biggest lessons uh, in my life is like get on with doing your best and leave the rest because you can't control other people or what they think or what they say and their criticism and their judgment and their evaluation of you does not change you in one single way but you can let it affect you very badly and it can stop your progress um, but if you if you choose the other mindset then just doing your best is going to be enough. Um, and then I guess when I moved on to ballroom dancing, it really taught me to be part of a team because now it's you and your partner and your coach and the feedback comes from all over the show. It comes from your partner. It comes from your coach. It comes from the videos. It comes from the judges. Um, it comes from the, the, the photographs that are taken because in one photograph, you can... You can see one person is, I have one particular photo. It's a beautiful photo if you look at it. But, but if I look at it closely, I can see oh, one of us is moving a split second ahead of the other one. Because look at where the foot is. And it's one centimeter off the ground. And the other person's foot is still on the ground. Yeah. So you got feedback from everywhere. And it's, um, it's a very subjective sport. So over there, we got taught a lot about preparation because you became a, a makeup artist, you became a hairdresser, <laughs> you became a, a fitness fundi, and you became a dancer all at the same time. Costume so, designer? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. We even, we, we, we even um, put the stones, I mean, those Swarovski stones, it was a big part of like the preparation, really, um, making your own jewelry with the lace and the um, earrings and stoning those dresses. I mean, they take like about seven to 10,000 Shirovsky stones on one of those dresses. So yeah. <laughs> you become that too. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first thing I thought of <laughs> because those are so beautiful. Wow. Okay. So, and I, and after your career in ballroom dancing, you went on to continue to do other sports and you, you went to school, you said you love academics and I can completely relate to that because I could have probably kept going and just enjoyed myself in school for a very long time. But, um, I stopped after a few degrees, but I, I did, I got, gosh, how many did I get? I got three. So I, I can relate to getting five and wanting to do that. Um, so you got your five degrees and your fine, was it your final degree in your, with the one that we mentioned, the, the biokinetics was the, sorry. Yeah. The, that, I was such a, it was a, I had to look it up actually, because I hadn't heard of it, but I was a deep, a, a doctorate in philosophy of human movement science. Yeah. That was the final one. Yeah. Yeah. So tell, okay. So do you want to talk a little about, bit about your degrees and how they are helping you in your in your practice now as a, a mindset coach and biokineticist? Yeah, I think the, the, the avenue to go and study that was really driven by my need to know more about mm -hmm. the human body and about 
like all different anything that could help me be a better figure skater I wanted to know and um, I didn't know anyone that I could ask for about this particular advice so like uh, my coach had very general fitness advice you know um, and so going to university to study that was really driven by a need for me to know more so that I could help myself better mm. um, then and then it became um, once you get into that system, as you know, there are there are steps up the ladder. Yeah. <laughs> and and then I discovered this professional degree, which was is biokinetics or exercise physiology. And basically, that's just where the river took me. The stream just flowed in that direction. Um, and that was like um, going to be more focused on helping people with injuries, people with cardiac problems, and it's very much in the rehabilitation. But it was uh, it was the one that you aim for. So, um, yes. And then, like, when I applied for that, I also, I didn't get in the first time. So hence I studied, um, I, I spent the year doing um, sports science. So again, that was so much actually more up my alley. And then doing the rehabilitation degree afterwards, you know, gave me a wonderful profession where I can really add back and help people and see their progress. And also physical rehabilitation also involves your mind, you know? What are you saying? Are you continuously talking about your weak left side? Or, you know, like you can't do that. I want you to um, rehab so well that you don't remember which knee was the injured knee. That mm -hmm. is my goal. And in order for us to do that, you've got to stop talking about which side is strong and which side is weak because we want them both to be great. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the physical and the mental has always been a part of a part of my life and like I said the sports psychology element um you know that was really the thing that that I was most interested in um but in my work as an exercise physiologist that is that is coming through every single day with actually every person that I work with um and that is really uh what led to the 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 coaching thing is because the 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 keen interest in the psychology and the mindset and then the sporting side of it where you cannot succeed without that but then realizing that the principles are the same if you're going to be in sports or in business the same the same mindset principles apply okay. and coming from coming from sport and seeing the um, overlap in the different sports and realizing that this is really something that can help women in business a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting that you're, it's sort of, it's not, is it a pivot or is it more just expanding into that area as well? Because you're still doing the same mindset coaching, but it is also helping women, entrepreneurs, um, business women, women in their careers. Yeah, so that, that's actually where I'd like to change my focus to, because, mm -hmm. that, that, you know, like, I've been blessed, I've been blessed in my life and my journey to experience so many things, and at a point, I felt like, like I hadn't really chosen my career, you know, it had kind of happened, <laughs> it had yeah. happened to me, but now I know it's in synchronicity, and it was meant to be like that, but now being at the point where you can really choose, I, I really choose to focus on this because this is my real love and my real passion mm -hmm. um, and still still being competitive and stretching myself and racing and 
doing this thing right now is also um, brings a different dimension to how I can help people because I'm still busy doing it and I'm still busy challenging myself every single day in this this thing that I'm helping you with. So I but think it's still, you're still doing cycling. You're still competing as a cyclist. Um, so you got into cycling right after your time as a ballroom dancer. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. It kind of flowed one into the other. And um, I, I, there's, the, there's a race in South Africa called the 94.7 Cycle Challenge. It's the, the, sec, it's the biggest or the second biggest um, timed race in the world. And so having watched this on TV, I was like, I wonder how much, how, 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 how it would feel. Could I ride 94 kilometers? I, I don't even have a bike. Um, I, I have no idea what this would feel like. How much could I eat? You know, if I if I did ninety four kilometers, yeah. <laughs> is it and, really? Um, that was one of the main questions. And then, like, we went on a on a holiday, and someone had an old rusty mountain bike, and they took me for a ride in my gym shorts and my sneakers. And I thought, well, if I can do forty k's, then I can do ninety four. And <laughs> that started. That started. I did that as my as my main goal, just to finish this race, and. 10 years late, no, nine years later, eight, eight or nine years later, I won my age category in that race. It was the biggest victory of my career. Amazing. <laughs> you are amazing. <laughs> really. But, um, but it's not easy getting into the sport because when, when I phoned, um, I was given the name at the bike shop because um, I said, look, I don't know how to ride this now. What do I do next? Who? And they said to me, here's a guy's name. He helps women just like you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and of course, at the bike shop, for a start, there are only males working there. And they, they sold me anything and everything I could possibly need. And um, although they had been riding for most of their lives, most of what I bought was all in the wrong sizes. And wow. I didn't know any better. So that was my first experience. But they did direct me to a very, very nice um, sort of an older gentleman who really did help housewives to ride their bicycles. <laughs> and he rode behind me and he was like, keep it nice and straight, Susan. I could not keep that skinny wheel straight for love or money. But <laughs> he was patient and kind. And, and when I phoned him to say, look, I've been given your number, he said to me, cycling is a very intimidating sport. And I thought to myself on the phone that day, I thought, what, this guy doesn't know where I come from. Dancing yeah. is an intimidating sport. So let's get on the floor with 300 couples. That's intimidating. This, yeah. uh, this is riding a bicycle. But of course, <laughs> I didn't know any better. <laughs> And then as soon as I learned how to ride this bike and, and, and change the gears and so on, I was out of the housewives group and into the first real club group. Um, and then I arrived to find out that I was like the only lady there on most of the rides and maybe one other lady would arrive. And most of the time I was on my own there. So fending for myself amongst a group of men who've been cycling for most of their lives was very it was it was quite intimidating and and a very odd experience <laughs> yeah and what's what was the hardest the most challenging part of that did you experience anything um, I mean, that was different from what you were accustomed to in your other sports 
Yeah, I think that the, mo the most interesting thing for me was that like these men would really like try and race you, try and get you out of the group, try and push you off the road. Like, I, and, and I couldn't understand what are they, what are they doing? Because like, I'm the only woman here and I, like, I'm new to this group, you know, but like mm. everything was just about, you know, it's a different sort of um, um, males and females are different, you know, and there's a lot of testosterone going on there. And when there's a woman in the group, it's like you cannot finish behind the woman. If you're a man, you dare not finish behind the woman because what are the other guys going to say? So yeah. this becomes a real thing for them. Um, and, and for much of the time, I wasn't really aware of it. And then as I got better and better and moved into the different groups, I realized, wow, this is quite a thing. And then I had to switch off my brain to figure skating mode and go, just do your best. And don't look yeah. at them, don't think about them, just ride and look at what's going on in front of you and just follow that wheel. And it's a wheel, it's not a male or a female, it's just a bike, you know, follow that bike and stay at the front. So that was a very, very different thing. And I mean, the things that I experienced were really strange from, from flirtatious and to, to um, knowing that I'm married and like still just... <laughs> still trying to push their luck um, mm -hmm. and then having a real uncomfortable experiences like that and then um, you know actually having some really nice helpful people that really helped me get to my next level you know like really giving me that push up the hill when I needed it which was like then I think this person is just an angel um, and then it ranged from that to um, like a complete aggression that you that you you cannot you cannot actually believe like um being pulled on my jersey and sworn at um like uh, crazy stuff you think well, what is this person doing and the rest of the men in the group like have to slow this person down and say hey you cannot do that actually you know what that's harassment and like like to the point where I thought to myself for a moment I'm gonna stop and I'm just gonna get in the car and I'm never coming back to this group again and I thought to myself no no this is my ride too I, I'm here to ride my best and I'm not gonna let one person having a bad day like ruin my cycling journey and you know the funniest thing is that I <laughs> I came back to the ride week after week and I saw the same person there so yeah. it was like how am I going to be a better person with this incident right in my face and you know what the overwhelming thing for me was to have compassion and to go I don't know what's happening to that person but this behavior is crazy and I'm just going to, I'm just going to send him good vibes. I'm not going to think about this. I have no bad feelings towards him at all. And it just like, it just dissolved. It helped me fly. And I just, you know, when I saw him again and I was like, just move out of his way, let him in. It doesn't matter. Uh, I'll find another place to ride. I didn't back off, but I guess I just learned another level of compassion, you know, um, and it taught me to be a better person. And then in terms of other experiences, I mean, you can ride in a bunch of males and you will be absolutely, completely blown away by how they how they speak and how much they speak. <laughs> we we always think that women that women do a lot of talking. 
my lord no that changed very quickly because men they can talk for like three hours straight the same <laughs> way. and it's incredible <laughs> i was like blown away i couldn't believe what i was experiencing yeah um, oh. <laughs> so funny so what uh but you know what people who talk a lot sometimes they have a lot to say but sometimes they don't <laughs> yeah it's true and and it's like for me I, I don't talk at all when I'm training or racing like the less said the better like I keep my mouth closed and actually my ears closed and I just need to ride my bike you know yeah. so it's quite interesting to realize okay if there's this much talking going on here then maybe I need to go to the next group <laughs> because we're not riding fast enough over here so yeah that, that's always an upward journey there are always people better and there are massive advantages to riding with men because they will always be stronger than you and you can really use that to your advantage and you can really use it to go and win races because if you can keep up with the men there's pretty much no woman that's gonna be able to to you know ride away or do something because all the women are training with men they just all over the show scattered and the ratio is like you know uh 20 80 uh mm. you know the men yes and like in cycling the men the male thing is such an advantage like i was so privileged to race on the tandem with my husband so i've got like a <laughs> a, a very strong male in the front and i'm a strong female at the back and because i'm lighter I, we have a massive advantage when we're racing against two men on a tandem so we won some pretty big races against <laughs> against the men and that really was didn't go down well I mean they like I said they do not like to have a female finishing in front of them and there's nothing much you can do about it if if the power to weight ratio is right on that bike so as, as 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 you know challenging as it can be amongst the men it can be a huge lot of fun and it can be a huge help and I guess that's mainly what I focus on is the huge help because it's helped me win everything that I have won <laughs> that's so interesting and I bet that can apply really across the board in so many fields exactly in business too right you can yeah. be on the back of that tandem and really win in business and you can help that you can go and piggyback on those men that have paved the way for you so open up the gateway and allow your mind to tap into everything that can help you um and just i don't like the differentiation between men and women all the time i'm sort of like an anti-feminist i'm like we all just people you know but uh, we really can help each other in very, very many ways. Let's talk a little bit about, we have about uh, five more minutes and I would love to just get into a little bit more about your practice and what types of people should be coming to you? What are they, when someone is out there, uh, maybe trying to start a business or working for someone else and they are hitting walls, they're hitting self-doubt, at what point, um, should they start to think that they should seek a coach and how can your practice help them? Yeah, you know, um, intuitively we all have, we all have that instinct that, that guidance inside us. And, mm -hmm. and if, if that, if that question, that thought that it's like a little flutter, a little feather inside you that just goes, 
I need help. <laughs> I need something's not working and I need to go. I want to go to my next level so badly, but I don't know how to get there. I'm not even sure what's wrong. Um, that's I can help you right away. So it doesn't matter if you if you're starting out in your in your business and you've already been successful in your business. If you're six figures and you want to go to seven, um, a mindset shift can make all the difference. And sometimes you know exactly what's wrong, but oftentimes you don't really know what's wrong. You just know that you need help getting unstuck. So um, if, if, if you have a drive to get to your next level, um, if you want that unshakable confidence, and if you want to feel that you can, that you're unstoppable, you really will be. So that, that is where I come in to help you. And um, all the all the mindset skills and tools that you need, <laughs> I've got them. I've got them for you. And it's like finding your unique mosaic that the things that are specifically applicable to you and your business. That that's how I like to work. There's no there's no set uh, copy and paste here. Mm. It you know different different skills are required at different times for different people. Um, and I guess that's 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 the main thing is to get people to their next levels and give help them develop the courage and the confidence to really step up and go for their big goal and take that leap of faith and that step of courage but also having the confidence to know they can do it because let's be honest you no one really succeeds big time unless you believe that you can do it mm. so if that's not there we need to look at ways to get you there because you probably don't need another great business strategy. You probably have all the tools you need in your business, but it's the mental shift that is going to make the biggest difference between staying where you are and succeeding in a way that you never thought was possible. Hmm. Okay, now if someone's looking for you, if they want to get in touch with you, where do you recommend they go? Um, just look me up on Facebook, Susie Cronier. Add me as a friend, and when I see you, I can direct you to my Facebook group uh, where I've got so many resources that can really help you. You can find out more about my journey and how I can help you, um, and you can check out and see if this is right for you because, like I said right in the beginning, the right coach for you is what really counts. It's not just any coach. It's the right mm -hmm. one for you. Yeah. So fate, you're recommending the Facebook and then you also have a Facebook group as well, right? Yes. Successful woman entrepreneurs um, cultivating a winning mindset is what it's called. But if you just go to my profile and you find me there, all the links are there. So you can find your way from there. Dr. Susie Cronier, biokineticist, world-class athlete, mindset coach and entrepreneurship coach thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast this has been really enlightening awesome thank you so much for having me it's been a real pleasure you have been listening to the hazard girls podcast on jacket media sponsored by juno jones the stylish safety boot company that's junojonesshoes.com and you can go there to learn about our steel toe boots and to join the hazard girls community I'm your host, Emily Salaby. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.